0: I uh, want to welcome you uh, on behalf of uh, the rest of the church uh, uh, to worship here this morning. I'm Pastor Jason, and I'm so glad to be with you and uh, and serve you and just be a part of the incredible staff here at Horizons that is uh, working and the incredible, incredible leadership and volunteers that we have at Horizons. Um, One of the things that I love is you saw my son um, running the stage and like he insists on being here in worship because I think he's training to be our next worship leader. Um, (laughs) Is that um, like Horizons has accomplished something for my kids and so many of your children and your grandchildren and other people's children has accomplished a contagious Worship and church. That uh, even as a pastor, like we don't, we don't wrestle with how to get our kids interested or to get them excited about coming. Like our greatest struggles are around um, how do, do we um, occupy our children's time and attention from Sunday to next Sunday, and how do we get them to leave the church. Uh, when church is over, you know, and that is such a testament and a credit to um, to all of our ministries across the board and just the general heart and and environment of Horizons. So really, what you are doing matters perhaps far more than you can imagine. Um, When we invited you all to um, share your interest in the backpack program that is just starting, and Midge came and shared about that last week, an extraordinary testimony, Um, we had an incredible response. We had over 20 responses from all of you saying, Yes, sign me up. We are in. We want to do it. And um, I think that is incredible because that's in one week's time. And it demonstrates that Horizons, as Life Change, Life Changers, has an incredible, incredible hunger for these sorts of things. And, and really, that, um, that, that y'all, whether you knew it or not, were just waiting for more of these sorts of opportunities to really be present life changers in our community right here. Um, incredible response. And so we're inviting more to respond because this, this thing has no limits in terms of how we can serve and what uh, people can be invited into. I do also want to invite you to hunger for the daily and minute-by-minute ministry of Horizons because you um, It is just as impactful as any of the other ministries, and it is so vitally important. Now, right now at Horizons, you may or may may not be aware, but we are currently down three staff, two full-time and one part-time. Our worship leader, uh, we are seeking a new worship leader, but we we are running solely off of the incredible, incredible passion and gifts of our volunteer worship uh, leaders, and, um, and they need your prayer, and they need your support. We are also um, running off of some incredible summer interns who will be finishing up their interns, but otherwise um, have a vacancy in our youth leadership. And, um, and, and so we are celebrating the incredible fire that the, uh, the leaders have who are continuing to stay locked in and passionate about this ministry. Um, but we need you to hunger for that. We need you to hunger for that and to know how much it matters to the mission of this church and to the good in the world at large, and um, and Pastor John, our beloved retired pastor who was serving in a volunteer um, employee status, um, has recently um, moved into his retirement. Um, and so, uh, also in our congregational care, our friends and faith team, um, incredible, incredible volunteer leaders. We need you to hunger for that, for the care of each other and walking together in that, because that is so vitally important. So whether you are online today or whether you're in person today, um, I want to invite you to, to join me in hungering for all of these things, knowing that they are they are eternally focused and eternally important. So um, I am still kind of feeling fresh. I've been on renewal leave for three months, and I've now been back for I think like five Sundays or something. I have lost count, but um, I'm just having so much fun. It's hard to you know keep track, and, um, and <laughs> um, that's that's partially true. Um, I had a blast on my renewal leave. And I, and I will continue to tell you some of the things that I did. Um, and um, that's, they're all, it's like all preaching material. So I, I can't just like let it out of the gate. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but you know, like, I mean, we, we traveled a lot, spent a lot of time with family. And I, um, I went on some individual adventures and learned all kinds of things and made all kinds of mistakes. Um, and then I, of course, dug in real deep spiritually and, and personally. And um, as I was getting ready to come back, I actually started to get pretty anxious about returning to my full-time ministry. And um, uh, of course, like a lot of it, you know, anyone would have this, right? Because it's just like teachers, um, whatever kind of summer you have, I know some of you would feel like you don't really have a summer break. Others of you like gloat about your summer break um, somewhere in between for the rest of you. But going back, there's always a little bit of weight to it. Um, i had i had experienced this freedom and this chance to really just dive in spiritually um that that it was um, kind of sad to finish that leave time um additionally i did this to myself i set up like this list like one through double z of like all the things that i wanted and felt like i needed to have in place before i came back that if i didn't i wouldn't know how to respond or have the wording or the direction or so on and so forth about, about um, you know, how to lead better and all those things. And so, um, so as the anxiety built, um, I was like, okay, I got to just take this to my therapist who I see regularly. And, um, and I want you to know um, me having a therapist is one of the most incredible choices I've made in my life because I am absolutely certain it makes me a better pastor it makes me a better husband, it makes me a better dad, it makes me a better person to be around in general, Um, all those things. And so for me, it was just this powerful safeguarding. And and Proverbs says uh, where there's no guidance, people fail, but in abundance of counselors, there is safety. And so really that was me just like, like safeguarding my heart and really wanting to like find the best. So, um, so I, there, there I am and I'm, I'm going to counseling and I'm like, dude, I'm just, I'm just feeling a little bit anxious about this, you know? And, um, and, and he just took it and then he set me free. It was in the middle of, of our conversations. He said, Jason, let me just ask you a question. He said, um, now don't take offense to this. Cause I know you're, you know, a pastor and you're the best pastor that's ever lived and you never do anything wrong and that your faith is perfect. But he said, um, what would it look like if you trusted God more in your ministry when you go back? Yeah, sure, I was like a little bit embarrassed. Oh, you know, but like ultimately it was just like this incredible freedom. Freedom. The weights were just lifted. I just wanted to just start dancing in my in my session, you know? Um, uh, and so I'm not really a kissing kind of guy, so I didn't want to co- kiss my counselor. But, uh, I, but I was excited. And, and like it was just so one of these things is that um, my sense is that I have to have everything in order and ready to go and in control and under my purview in order for it to work, in order for God to work. But I have always known this, but I'm so much more clear about it and more confident about it now. The most important thing in my life, the most important thing in your life, believe it or not, is your personal relationship with Jesus. And I know you are all singing amen in your heart. The most important thing in this world is your personal relationship with Jesus. Who you personally know him to be, hear him to be, see him leading in your life, speaking into you and showing you uh, grace, all of those things. Not just about Jesus or what he said, but who he is right now, right here and what he's inviting you into. Nothing is more important to that. So um, when I heard this, I was just set incredibly free because it meant that I no longer, if I was going to trust Jesus and in my ministry more, it meant that I didn't have to carry all the weights and all the unknowns. It meant that I didn't have to do all the work anymore. It meant that I didn't have to be the one to worry and to control things and to make it good. And so whatever embarrassment there might have supposed to have been that maybe, you know, as a pastor, I should already be ultimately 100% profoundly trusting in Jesus. Like, it, it just gave me this open way to walk forward and say, yeah, I want more of that. And additionally, what it meant to me that set me so free was it meant that um, my greatest focus from there on out until I came back and now is a focus of pursuing that personal relationship of putting that first, of carving out time, building margin in my life, slowing down to let the spirit in, to listen, to reach out, to dig deep, to connect. And sometimes that can feel like a lot of work, but friends, I guarantee you in that moment, it was in far beat the alternative of just keep trying to work and get it all put together all by myself and then hope God would follow along with my most excellent plan. It set me free because it meant that instead of doing all that, all I had to do was just point myself to Christ, to slow down and let the spirit out of its cage. Apparently, I've got one, and I put the spirit in there, so he can't really speak a lot or move a lot sometimes. You just let him out. Oh, was so good. So that brings us to today. Welcome. We are in our second Sunday of our series made for this, and this is just this incredible series. Um, This was laid on my heart. A year ago today, so this, you know the Spirit's working in all of this, and this is ultimately about us discovering our divine purpose. This is the this is the life giving purpose. This is not even the sweet spot of your life where your greatest gifts meet the world's greatest needs. This is the sweetest spot where we come fully alive and find the greatest freedom and purpose in the world. So divine purpose is what we're discovering. And then additionally to that, we are discovering how God designed the church, like the one you're in or watching, designed the church, the body of Christ in the world, designed the church to specifically, with full intention and purpose, to cultivate and grow that divine sense of purpose in each of us. So that's what we're doing and it's ultimately again it's built on that foundation that the most important thing in your life is your personal relationship with Jesus because everything that you need flows from that and everything that the that the world in need needs flows from that one So as we moved into this last week and started this out, we accessed Peter's words and his first letter to the church spread all out throughout the Roman Empire because they are being persecuted, there's violence upon them, their homes are being taken, they are being run out, they are being tortured, all sorts of terrible, terrible things, all because they bear the name of Christ freely and proudly on their lips and on their hearts, so Peter is writing to them, and he writes this encouraging, incredible letter. And it's not even acknowledging, hey, I know this is really terrible, and I don't know why this is happening. I don't know why our God would put us through this. And, I, you know, like, um, like it's terrible, and I'm sure someday it all makes sense. Like, the, Peter says nothing about that. And in some ways, I kind of wish he would, but otherwise, like, you can just see Peter has this r- solid rock foundation to say, yeah, this isn't what we hoped for or want, and it is terrible. But keep going, Peter. I, I love it. Peter keeps saying that, so it makes sense that this would be our marching orders for today, as we uh, experience way, 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 way less dramatic circumstances, and yet that feel really real to us and 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 challenging as we continue to to face like our marching orders. So, first, um, Peter. Chapter 4, verse 7 through 11 was the extent of what we read. And if you have not read that, please go and just dive into that because that's our marching orders for the rest of this series. Now, specifically, then we dive into verse 7 of this capture of Scripture to really take our next step here. And Peter says, and he starts out here, he says, The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and sober of mind so that you may pray. Now, ultimately, Peter is inviting us to actually live in the era that we actually are in. When you draw out this long story of God's movement in the world, um, there's creation and then there's calling God's people and then there's rebellion and then there is the birth of Jesus and this new covenant that is the Word Testament is actually covenant and begins this and and, then builds the church. And so um, what we understand is that we are truly in the end days. And so now sometimes we try to say like, oh, that means like uh, Peter's saying we're at Friday and the week that was almost over, right? Like, so it's almost like going to hit the fan. Um, What we don't know that. And Jesus says, you don't know that. Um, But what we know is that we know we're in that last part of the plan. And it is so easy to forget that, isn't it? When we get into our lives and we get comfortable and we get searching after like our our greatest gain in the world and the materials that we want and all that, you know, all those pursuits, we kind of get comfortable and we're like, oh yeah, 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 we'll let someone else worry about that when Peter's inviting us into that. And this is, you know, like 1,700 years ago. Uh, Okay, Uh, and even a little bit more than that. So there it says, therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. So Peter is inviting us into an alertness and a sober of mind that ultimately translates into this sense of groundedness and clarity and fully present. Being fully present. Not swept off our feet by the intoxications of the world. Now, it may actually very well be that Peter is inviting you to lay off your alcohol use. Because it may be the thing that is actually the greatest wall and cloud around you having a personal relationship with Jesus and with others who God has brought into your life. But it may also be, in addition to that, or instead of that, it may be worry that intoxicates you, or fear, or envy, or lust, or greed, or ambition, or revenge, or a myriad of other things that we kind of latch on to. So Peter's saying, you got to let all, you got to let the Spirit clear that out, so you can be fully present. And look at this, I love this, so that you may pray. All of that for all of that final Ending there, so that you may pray. Now, praying is what we tend to think is like, this is our Christian duty, and if we want to be a good Christian, if we want the pastor to be happy with us and, um, and go to heaven and look like a good Christian to our other Christian friends, then we pray. That's what you're supposed to do. But I want to tell you that um, that, that, that couldn't be farther from the gospel truth than, than sin itself. The truth about prayer is that it is a conversation and intimate connection with your God. So Peter could be saying, therefore you know, be alert and of sober mind so that you may be fully connected, that you may be fully present in an intimate relationship with your God, the lover of your soul. That sounds nice, doesn't it? Now, all of what Peter's saying is not something that Peter made up. He's taking all of his cues from someone else. And it would, by chance, be the guy that he walked with through the desert from town to town, who um, he stepped out of the boat to go and meet on the water and then you know, sunk and nearly drowned. Um, he's taking his cues from Jesus. And Jesus says in this incredible sermon on the mount, he gathers all these people. And this was like, this was his sermon that he preached a lot. And then we're kind of, we kind of captured it in Matthew's gospel as, as like this one time sermon. But these are the words that Jesus was saying every time. And, um, and so we know it lasts about a couple chapters. And, and so he's getting towards the end and Jesus then gives these incredible instructions and they mean and imply way more than we can imagine. He says, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 7, verses 7 through 8. Now, we are continuing through Matthew's Gospel through this here, so this is actually one of those portions that we are covering through this series. And Jesus instructs us, and he says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Incredible words. Now, I, was, I really wanted to internalize this this morning. And so I, that's, my, that's my thing is I want to like, live the sermon, not just read it to you. And so I was like, okay, how, how can I really sink into this scripture and this word this morning? And, um, and I'm not a guy that really runs off of acronyms and fancy things to help you like remember. But I, I do. this is so cool, right? Like, ask, seek, and knock. You put those together in an acronym, and it's ask, and that makes it more true if, than if it was not an acronym. Now I'm, I'm kidding, but, um, but how cool is that? Jesus is inviting us. Now, we typically interpret this to be, um, this is how we should pray. But I am guaranteeing you, because of the context, because of where this lies in this sermon and, and, and the, the, where it falls in Jesus' ministry, this is not instructions on how to pray. This is instructions on how to live in an intimate relationship with your God. That's why Jesus says essentially the same thing three different ways because he's like in every aspect of your life, whether you are in praying and you are asking for something or whether you are going through your daily life and you are seeking for something, something is missing, or whether you are feeling like like the doors are closed and, and there is no hope or there's no way forward, knock, however, wherever, whenever, and whatever, this is how to live in relationship with your God, to pursue your God. Friends, this is so incredible to our relationship, and it provides, for me, the crossroad. Because when I was telling you about my experience with my therapist and this moment where I was set free, and my chains just broke off like noodle spaghetti, um, I was at the crossroads where I was invited to just devote myself to asking, seeking, and knocking, because Jesus says, "Anyone who asks receives; the one who finds or seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the doors will be open." Friends, um, unless we're like hesitant and don't not, we're not quite sure. Um, we we get to believe this outright. Jesus doesn't make any any caveats to this. He's not. Offering this in uncertain terms. He's laying it out there. This is for us. We get to believe this and let it be true. And so in that moment, it was a crossroads because it's not only about therapy for me, it is life for us, ministry. And whichever way, don't read into that, you know, one horizontal, one vertical, okay? Uh, so, that's what the crossroads is. And what it ultimately means is that there is an incredible design in us seeking and pursuing our God, about slowing down, about creating space, about letting go, about really just, just putting everything in front of God and saying, take it, I want to be free in you. I want to be free as I could ever be. And, um, and, and I know it starts with my relationship with you, my personal relationship with you, and, um, and it matters. Now, the design behind this is so incredible. I want to share this. So, I was reading a book. I preached on this before, and it's called simply How to Pray by Pete Grieg. Now, I know the prayer experts in the room are like, what an elementary book, you know, like I'm so far above that. That would not be helpful to me at all. The rest of us, um, you need to read this book. It was life-changing for me as your pastor, and it will be for you if you give yourself to it. But Pete says, here's one of the reasons why God doesn't just wholesale just lay things out in a hurry as you ask or make things all clear as you look or seek and and doesn't always open the door immediately as you knock. Because the pursuit of going to God in relationship, often in prayer, but with our entire lives, is threefold. One, it's relational. Um, There is hardly any other greater way to become relational with our God than to share what's at the core of our heart with the core of God's heart, to be heart-to-heart with our God. It is absolutely relational. and In fact, there's a fill-in-the-blank here that uh, just helps you kind of walk along. So it's aligning our hearts with God's heart, in our needs and hopes and everything else, it is absolutely relational. In fact, um, when you withhold the things that are on your heart from God or even any person that you, with whom you are in relationship, you are you are you are hindering that relationship. Now, sometimes it's hard, and they're hurtful things, but we have to be in good re- communication about everything. Seeking is relational. Second, seeking is vulnerable. Seeking is vulnerable. Pursuing our God with all of ourselves, making time for him, listening to him and actually giving him enough time to speak is vulnerable. It's not us admitting our needs, calling on our trust in God over everything else that we often tend to trust in the most, our finances our safety and security systems you name it it's vulnerable and this might sound like a terrible terrible thing to you but god wants you to be vulnerable because when you're vulnerable you're open and when you're open the spirit can come in and the spirit can come alive but not until you're vulnerable The third value of seeking, of pursuing God in this way, is that seeking is intentional. Clarifying in our hearts what we truly desire. Clarifying. See, when you have to share with God what's important to you, and then you have to share it again, and then you have to share it again, and a year later, you have to keep sharing it, God's not sitting there, and he's, it's, it's not like a test where God's like, okay, one more time, and I'll finally hear you. Like, God is inviting us into that because it sharpens the compass needle of our own hearts. You remember that when you're in, high, in, your, in like grade school, like you can take a straight pin and make it into a magnet. You just got to continue to take the magnet and train the molecules and the piece of metal until eventually like, it has sort of like a magnetic, it'll stick to a pair of scissors or a paper clip. Like You know, all did that. I did that. Um, <laughs> I hope you did. <laughs> uh, it, it's really cool. Um, that's the same thing. When we have to be intentional about what we want, about what's on our heart, it sharpens it. It clarifies it for us. It makes it a value, and it reveals our values. So ultimately, um, we can't, you'll never actually like find what you're looking for or know what you're looking for until you actually name what it is that you need to find. Okay, so for you know, like so we have to name it. This is all part of this pursuit and this listening and this deep relationship with our God. You have to name it, it what it is. And you will never find it until you actually start looking for it. Imagine that. You know, it's like we are looking for answers and yet we refuse prayer, worship, and all these things. And, and God's like, like you're low. you you know what you want, but you got to move. And you, um, it's hard to know exactly what's important to you and how good it is until you actually start finding it. So that brings us to this whole thing. So part of our soul purpose, our divine purpose, is out of a deep, deep personal relationship with our God. And the way that the church develops this, cultivates, fosters, grooms this in us as life-changed life-changers is what we call it here. How God does that is through the church, through his body. So there's extreme purpose in everything that we do, that the church does, that Horizons does specifically. That's why Horizons looks as it does. You see, one of our our greatest life-changing work— Will come out of the context of our own life change relationship with Jesus. So this is what the church is doing. That's why we have worship that you're that you're presently in. That's why we have life groups. That's why we invite you to serve in a volunteer spot in your ministry to hunger for it, as I said earlier, or to uh, to hunger for a leadership position. That's why God's inviting us into that. That's why God is inviting us. That's why there's a prayer team at Horizons. That's why there's a thing called growth track at Horizons. And you're invited to it every single week. And there's a new growth track starting soon. See, all of these things are platforms for you to have an opportunity to seek and pursue to connect and encounter our God. Each and every one of these things is designed so that you might have an opportunity to seek and pursue and encounter and to draw near to your God. Whether you are brand new to your faith, brand new to Horizons, or you've been here a million years and you helped hold the walls up, or I don't know, Um, that's why it's here, and it is so good, and you'll, and you'll, and you might even say, well, I thought life groups was more about, like, relationships, you know, like, um, so we have connect, grow, serve, and give. If you are active in those four simple parts at Horizons, that's when we know that you are truly, like, you're on the discipleship path, because it's these four simple things, that will grow you, that will that will change you, that will uh, inform you, and that will uh, ultimately like set you in this relationship. So this connect thing, um, it runs through all of them because even in a life group, see, um, what you need to think about is when you're with other people, and this is why worship is so important, and ideally even together in a worship center, together right here in community, is because um, you've heard of search and rescue teams, your life group, the people that you are sitting with, the people that you are in community with in church is, is your search and rescue team. Because um, the bigger your search party, the greater chances that you'll find the rescue that you're looking for. See, I, ch- I changed that a little bit, but, um, but it's in community. And Jesus even says where two or more are gathered, like I'm there too. It's your search and rescue team. That's why we develop relationships as we serve together, as we lead together. You see, all of this is, is put in motion. And so I want to invite you, next time you think about worship, next time you think about your serving or, or someone's inviting you to volunteer, you're feeling that nudge, or, um, or there's an opportunity to pray or to join a prayer team or to go through this growth track, all of these things, um, they're not out of obligation. You should never go to church because you feel obligated to go, whether it's worship or volunteer or any of those other things, life group should never, because it's out of an obligation, it should never be the primary motivator for you that you are going because you feel guilty when you don't. That's not a healthy relationship. It should never be that you are putting yourselves in these spots because you believe God is pleased with you when you show up at church, when you sign up for something, and God is displeased with you when you don't. I'd love to motivate you that way, you know, make you all scared that you're not going to make it into heaven if you don't show up to church or you don't serve in the ministry. But that's not the gospel. I refuse to do it. So I want you to reframe every decision you're making under the single frame. I'm doing this because I am pursuing my God. I'm pursuing my God who wants to have a personal relationship with me, who died so that he might be able to. That's good. That's rich and it makes being here such a freeing and liberating experience. All right, now, Before we pray, before I send you on the way, I have planted a seed. That is my only job. It is not me, but it is the word of God speaking through me, through the spirit. I wanna ask you a couple questions. And I wanna invite you to take this into your week, to let this be the questions you ask to yourself that you chew on with your life group, with your spouse, your friend, um, your your children, whatever it is. Question one, what is the main thing you will you are wanting from your faith? What's the main thing you are wanting from your faith? And is the main thing the greatest thing? Or does it need to perhaps shift? Question number two, how have you typically viewed the reasons for regular worship, being in a life group, serving in a ministry, joining into the activity of prayer, finally finally signing up for that growth track? What's what's your reason? And how might that need to change? Question number three. What new ways or mindsets will you adopt for seeking and encountering God based on the understanding that this is the primary way that we get into our relationship with our God so that all other things may flow from that relationship, which we are in need of, which others are in need of. All right, happy watering. I cannot wait to see you next week for our third session, and we'll talk about Connect, Grow, and I know you are all interested to hear about that. Let us pray. Gracious and holy God, you are so good, and we lift up all of ourselves to you. We give ourselves to you, Lord, because we know, even though we may not believe it or want to believe it in times where life is actually really good for us and we feel like we've got everything we need already, We know that what you invite us into is ultimately the greatest and the best and that there is so much freedom and life in it. So Lord, let us, let our hearts reframe, change around, that we see that we are here and that we are giving ourselves to the ministry and hungering for it, Lord, because there is an encounter with you as we join others to see you, to know you, to hear you. Lord, I lift up everyone at Horizons who is in need of your care, of your healing, of your miracle today. Lord, let their names be on your hearts. Let their situations be near to you. For all of us who are experiencing brokenness, collisions, things falling apart, be in the middle of it. Lord, we lift up Project Hope. We lift up all the children for whom we care, the directors. We pray that your name is freely and joyfully known in those in those places, and that in that it is clear that you are present, even in this season of continued pandemic. And Lord, we lift up all of our community. We pray for our teachers as they prepare to return, that you will ground their hearts in you, that you will give them a sense of, of serenity and peace, Lord. And let them also trust in you, even if not every detail of returning of their new year is not 100% in order guide our church, Lord, give us wisdom for our decisions, and let us always be pointed only to you. We pray all of this in your name, Jesus. Amen.